You're listening to Were You Still Talking? Hey, welcome to another episode of Were You Still Talking? Today on my show, oh, this is Joel Albrecht, and today on my show, I have Liz, oh, I forgot to ask how to pronounce her last name exactly, Enton, I think it is, Liz Enton, who has a podcast herself, W2F Just Happened. Uh, she also has a book about afterlife as evidence, psychic mediums, and researchers. She's logical-minded atheist. I just love that idea, who, after a loss of her dad, began to investigate if there was afterlife evidence and was pretty blown away. Also founded Why Get Wasted? It's not what you think. It's not what you think. Which helps, uh, helps events go low waste. Both are topics she is passionate about and knowledgeable about. And I am, too, so this should be great. Liz, welcome to the show. Really nice to have you on. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I have my book, WTF Just Happened, A Sciencey Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of the Afterlife, and podcast is WTF Just Happened, All About the Afterlife, No Woo. So, yeah, I definitely take a sciencey approach to all of this. Oh, yeah, and that's that's very... I've had other people on who... Um, take it from actually the last person I had on who's a pet psychic um, is also a scientist. So that always is interesting to me. Yeah. So um, my first question was, what the fuck? <laughs> I saw yeah. I saw a video where you said that Amazon censored your book or they oh. canceled your yes. book. Is, did that actually happen? If you watch the, it's like a one minute reel, um, they won't, they blocked me from advertising on Amazon. I can still sell, but I'm not allowed to advertise on it because WTF is considered profanity. And I was like, well, you don't know what the F stands for. I was on the phone with the woman. I was like, yeah, maybe it's where's the fun. And she was laughing. She's like, yeah, sorry. And, she didn't you trust know, you. That would didn't, that didn't fly. <laughs> didn't fly. <laughs> so uh, that she definitely laughed. That really does definitely surprises me. And uh, the other thing that surprises me is that you got someone on the phone at Amazon. You you got through to somebody. I did. That's well, amazing. this is through Amazon KDP, the publishing. Okay. And which is different than I think if you're trying to reach someone. As a customer, I don't know. I mean, they have a department where you can get phone calls set up through Amazon. You have to like, email and get it organized. But I was able to get someone. That is cool. And so how... First of all, I guess I'll just start with the easy one. How did you come up with the name? What, what inspired you? I like the name, by the way. But how did you uh, come up with that? It was pretty natural because as I started investigating if there was any scientific evidence of an afterlife it was i wasn't planning to write a book podcast i thought it was so weird i wasn't even going to tell anyone i was doing this i'm like people are gonna think i'm insane and so it just i just saw so much weird shit and it was i just kept saying like what the fuck like what the fuck just happened and some of the other people who would be at these events and trying to research this too we'd all just be like what the fuck just happened this is so weird and so that was the perfect name <laughs> it's per it's great i do like the name and i mean where so your your father passed away 
Yes. Yes. I assume he was pretty young because you look to be pretty young. Um, Um, actually, he, thank you. He wasn't, he had me later in life. So mm -hmm. I was fairly young, but he was older, but you know, I was not at the stage of life that I could process losing a parent very, I I don't ever want to say it's easy. So let me take that back. I was going to say very easily, but it wasn't the typical amongst my friend group, you know, where I guess you get to a point where everybody has kind of gone through that. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah, because I'm more closer to that point. And we uh, but you're right. It doesn't get any easier. And you would think it would because I've, you know, had friends and my wife lose their parent when they're pretty old. And it's still it's still not easy. You, It seems like it would be. But yeah, it's still really rough. So how, like how you decided at that point. Well, first of all, how you were an atheist your whole life? Like, so your was your family yeah. uh, non-religious or just? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because now when people talk about atheists, often they're like, I became an atheist. How did you, you know, come to that? I just, I can always was like culturally Jewish. My mom was raised Protestant. My dad Jewish. We celebrated all the holidays. I just grew up in a very secular New York. I never really thought, oh, I'm an atheist. If people said, what are you? I said, half Jewish, half Christian. Um, More Jewish just because it was a very strong culture. But it was just irrelevant. Like, no one ever talked about God. It just, I I never, I was very surprised when I met people who spoke about God and belief in God when I got to college. It was just such a non-issue that I just kind of thought of it as, like, folklore and myth. And so... It wasn't really like, oh, wow, I realize I'm an atheist. And it just, it was sort of the default and the norm. And I, and then I met people in college because I went to college in the South in Austin, Texas. And there were a lot of religious people. And I was never like, I'm an atheist. That felt just incredibly disrespectful. And I, you know, because I hadn't had any religious trauma the way, you know, a lot of people who are atheists do. And I hadn't, naively, I hadn't known the harms that religion could cause at that point. You know, I... And this religion can be great for some people, but, you know, I, I hadn't seen the laws that were passed in the name of religion and some of the harms. So I just had no anger towards it. It just seemed like as realistic as the tooth fairy that there'd be a god in an afterlife. And I wasn't going to be rude to anyone about it. So, yeah, it was more just the default. And I still don't believe in God. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I, um, I'm what I always considered agnostic and some people consider that atheism. Uh, it's always, it's kind of surprising to me because I read a statistic once, it's, it's been a few years now that said one of the biggest fears that Americans have is atheists. And I, I, it just blows me away. It's like, you have to have something hanging over you to do, to do the right thing that, you know, uh, that <laughs> kind of blows my mind. Uh, technically, I'm not an atheist because I believe in God, but not in a religious fashion. I'm not religious, so it, it's interesting. Um, so let's move on to the what the fuck part of it. Um, <laughs> what were some of the things you found out um, that surprised you um, when you started looking into is there life after death? Um, I'm, I'm starting to see more and more sciencey stuff about um life is make might go on longer than you know we think there's a there's a lot of 
uh, a lot of science around it, of course, because of medical science. But what what were some of the things you found out? I got it. I mean, everything surprised me. It was like 10 shocks, 10 what the fucks a day, as I say. <laughs> um, the very first, just I, I'd say there was it was two tier with the very first. One is more mainstream science and one is not mainstream science. The very first thought I had when my dad was getting into hospice was, okay, so they always talk about time travel in science fiction. And so much of science fiction has ended up coming true. Like, look at us on Zoom. And I just had this flash. It wasn't a logical thought. I didn't realistically think it'd be possible, but it was, I thought, well, could time travel be possible? Would there be some way that, you know, I could give future kids of mine information on when my dad passes, they could give it to their kids. And in like 3,000 years, we'd have some technology where they could come grab him, you know, a few days before he got sick and take him to a time when medicine is completely different. And it was just a thought. And then I thought, well, if that is going on, we wouldn't know it. You know, these have been some weird timelines and all this weird timeline stuff could be happening that we have no idea about. So I Googled that and I started to find out that yes, time travel is possible. Theoretically, it's not practical. Like you have to build rockets traveling at close to the speed of light and travel in them. I mean, there's a lot of technical stuff, but according to Einstein, theories of time relativity, if someone travels close to the speed of light in space, time moves much slower for them. They come back to Earth, what's felt like a year for them. Everyone will be, I forget the exact amount, but it'll be something like 20 years later here. So Einstein twin oh, time theory. And so then my next thought and I've since changed my mind about this, but I thought, okay, if consciousness is created by a set of brain neurons, and it's just this coincidence that we're all born in ourselves and get to experience consciousness and being a person, and it happened coincidentally once, why could that not happen again in a couple hundred years? I wouldn't be my the same person. My dad wouldn't be himself again, but you know, getting to experience being a person again is significantly better than complete obliteration and at that point i just assumed it was complete obliteration so my standards are pretty low so i <laughs> yeah. googled that and that was kind of the life changer because i found two researchers dr ian stevenson who has since passed away and dr jim tucker who has taken over his research and they are child psychiatrists professors at the university of virginia and they study cases of kids who have past life memories from a science-based perspective. And they're getting just absolutely inexplicable results. Just mind-blowing. Like when I first found the articles, I was like, oh, they're probably going to say there's some preliminary research. But it's just the most paradigm-shifting thing I think I'd ever read. And to the point where these, you know, logical-minded psych child psychiatrists and professors are convinced they're, that... We live multiple lives. It, so that, and then from there, everything opened up. Wow. That's really interesting. I, I watch a lot of um, different, uh, well, podcasts and stuff about this. So I've seen, and I, t I tend to, I tend to watch um, stories um, 
uh, near-death stories, um, you know, where people have basically died, not, not where they've come near death, but where they actually died for some minutes and come back and they've still, and they remember everything that happened to them. Um, so it's, it's just, it, it blows my mind. Like I've never had an experience like that, but some of them sound just too believable. And a lot of them are from people who were atheists or who are medical doctors. Those are the ones that intrigue me the most, who are doctors and think, you know, no, nothing happens when you die. I'm a doctor. I know this. The brain stops and you're done. Um, and then it happens to them and they have a story about it. It, it's, it doesn't happen, I guess, that often because a lot of people do die and get resuscitated. Uh, but only a small percentage of them remember anything. So, um, but it's still enough of them that I just, I find it really intriguing. And it it seems believable to me that, you know, there's definitely something beyond this. Because I don't think consciousness is anything that we have a grip on, right? It, it doesn't seem like something we understand at all. They're, they're brain scientists, yeah. yeah. We do not. And one thing that, helped me kind of process all of this information I was reading because I was like oh I must be missing the catch there's people much smarter than me that say none of this is true so I'm just not seeing something and uh, but then you know I read or heard just okay so there really is no let's say consciousness is created by a brain instead of downloaded by a brain which is a lot of what more of the afterlife research seems to show is that it's stored somewhere and downloaded into our brain. There's no, it's just as much of a leap of like guessing, or I hate the word faith, but faith, you know, leap of faith or just making things fit to think that material mass and matter that is a brain creates complex consciousness. Maybe it could just create survival consciousness of, you know, uh, small you know uh not a simple organism who's just trying to feed reproduce and survive but it doesn't explain at all that this mass material that just fires in neurons creates the complex level of consciousness of a human being with emotions and love and depth it's just as much of a jump to think it's created by a brain as it is that's downloaded by one and when i thought that when i heard that i was like that makes so much sense both are just having to take a step and making things fit because neither really makes sense. Neither really makes sense and they still can't figure out if consciousness is in the brain. Like um, science is pretty much assuming that our consciousness comes from our brain and, and that's where, but they have not figured out like that spot, right? They know where the nerves are. They know where, where um, taste buds come from. They know where sight comes from, but they really haven't found a sight in the brain where consciousness comes from. I read an article pretty recently that talked about, well, maybe that's not, maybe it doesn't reside in the brain. Maybe that's not even correct, you know, which kind of blew my mind. But thinking about it, uh, that's true. How do we, you know, we're just assuming because the brain does so many functions that that's where consciousness is also coming from. And it's, uh, yeah, is it? Is that even, is that even it? No, right. they don't know. Is it causation, correlation? Like, yeah, they'll find certain things like brains react a certain way to certain emotions and certain neurons fire, but your stomach reacts to emotions and other parts of your body react to emotions. It's like they're thinking there's a lot in the gut. And, you know, it's 
it, there really isn't proof or valid evidence that consciousness is tied 100% to a brain. It definitely seems to react in ways, but yeah, it's far from the only part of our body that reacts and there's no explanation of the brain. Like this is how consciousness is created. So. Oh, right. Yeah. There, there's, that's just it. There's, there's no real evidence or, you know, they're still trying to figure out how consciousness is created and even, and even more so how people do, how to explain afterlife experiences. Um, they're very, they're varied oftentimes and many, many times they, people are seeing things that are completely unexplainable. Uh, when they talk about these experiences, you know, they're seeing themselves, uh, they're, they're describing things that this, that couldn't be possible when they're unconscious. And so that's always amazing to me. And yeah, maybe also we feel our emotions in the gut. So maybe consciousness is not in the brain. Maybe it's in another part of the body. Like you were saying, uh, so many of our emotions are in the gut. Um, Some people are saying that's like more than our brain or it's like our other brain. And, you know, yeah, I, I have our time believing it's all the brain. And then also, I mean, weird things happen with people with brain damage or neurological damage and just the brain, people behave in inexplicable, unexpected ways when there is types of brain damage that doesn't add up to initial understandings of brains. And I mean, there's even stories apparently of kids um, I recently heard from a researcher, Dr. Jeffrey Tarrant, who studies brains and mediumship. And he and Dr. Diane Hennessy Powell, another researcher, have worked with nonverbal autistic children who are seem to be getting information. They have like keyboards or type of devices where they can type in what they're saying. And they're able to get information from across the room. It seems as if they're psychically reading their caregivers, which usually tend to be their mothers, and groups of nonverbal autistic kids are sharing experiences of being out of body, where they all seem to meet up in places out of body. And I mean, it's verified, because they're all saying the same things. So it's preliminary research, but I think that's among the most fascinating. That is really fascinating. So, yes. yeah. So you have, um, are you convinced now that there is an afterlife or that there's, I'll just say more than we, we can see. I'm well, convinced the laws of the universe are really different than we seem to understand. I, I think that I, I actually don't love the word afterlife, even though that's the word everyone uses. And my mentor in this world, who sadly passed away recently, Fran Ginsberg, with Forever Family Foundation used to say, like, afterlife makes it sound like you're here, then you die, and that's it. And it doesn't seem to be that way. And I tend to agree. It seems to be that con our consciousness exists in many forms, some in a body, some non-local, meaning outside of our body, maybe some quantum forms, and we pulsate in and out of different conscious experiences in different dimensions, different forms that would be my guess yeah that's really interesting um the most obvious one is dreams when we go into dreams but also things happen um all kinds of things happen in our conscious that doesn't that's different from just kind of day-to-day -day life right yeah all, all kinds of things happen yeah yeah
And you yeah. mentioned NDEs, which that's a big one, you know, because people not only just have mystical experiences that could be justified in many ways, probably, but they have verified experiences where they see and hear things that were going on in other rooms, in the waiting room of a hospital, in their hospital room, while they're completely unconscious and, as you said, physiologically passed away for a period of time. And they give accurate information. Right, right. That's that's kind of the most amazing thing. Uh, I'm, I mean, I have no problem imagining that there's more to consciousness than we can figure out. Uh, I'm a, actually a, someone who believes that we we purposely um, dumb ourselves down to have this experience that we're having now, in a way, and that we could not possibly um, imagine as humans necessarily what it's what consciousness is, you know, on a bigger level. I mean, even people who have experiences, uh, psychedelic experiences, have things happen that is completely unexplainable. It's like, why does, why does a psychedelic bring that on, you know, when they see spirits and they see different things? Um, and that's, even that is pretty hard to explain. It, it's like, why does, why does a psychedelic uh, drug create those why does it create those experiences that's not really explained either that and partly because no research has been done on psychedelics um, because of different laws that are in place but uh yeah it's it's um i don't know i think it's well beyond what we can explain it's kind of like uh, if um when we talk about the distance between earth and the sun we have a number for it however many billion miles it is it's a ways from us but our head um conceptually you know according to doctors we we can't really conceive that right we can conceive how far it is to the store we can conceive how far it is uh, to a different town but we don't the idea of going all the way to the sun is such a distance that our minds aren't really equipped for that um so that's i don't know that just seems to, to also make sense that we couldn't conceive of things, you know, beyond what we see, feel, touch, hear, smell. It, it's, it's hard to conceive that, even that. Very true. It's like, imagine another color that doesn't exist here that you've never seen. You can't do it. You oh, right. You absolutely can't. But, yeah, that's a really yeah. good. That's a really good point. I never, never even think of that. It's like, how could there yeah. be another color? But of course, there um, animals have see colors on the spectrum we don't see, and there's uh, our hearing is very limited. You know, the the sound spectrum goes way beyond what we can hear uh, below and above our hearing range. So we're actually very limited in our waking consciousness in what we can perceive. You know, and it's, it's the same with um, like a cat's whisker, whiskers and, and a dog's paws are far, far more um, sensitive than ours. So our perception of reality, even on a very um, scientific and physical level, is extremely limited. Right. We, 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 have, we only have so much that we can we can go with. Um, so, oh, you've also you've done so you've done some work with mediums. I have. Uh, what I'm reading, I'm reading your questions now. I'm being honest. That's <laughs> okay. I don't um, you, you've done some scientific research into the afterlife and mediums, near death experiences. Like, uh, what kind of research have you done? 
and uh, with mediums yeah. okay yeah I, you yeah. know, I can't say it's official research. Um, official scientific researchers would not be okay with my saying it's actual research. But I guess experiments, loose experiments, and I, they probably wouldn't always say, so they're not official scientific experiments, but I've done my own kind of loose experiments. So I, starting early on, I would get readings with mediums and I would hide my identity hide, you know, use Google Voice, use a VPN even on my laptop when I would book it, hide everything. And I would see if they could get accurate information. And a percent just absolutely inexplicable. And some of these were on the phone. So they couldn't see me on the phone on Google Voice. So and, and they would know that sorry that meet calls. <laughs> so they would do things they couldn't have known specific information. Do you want me to wait until he stops barking? Oh, or... I can only hear one bark. Is he still? Is he still oh, barking? He's still barking. You can barely hear. Okay, good. Yeah. That, it must be editing it out of background noise. And so they were getting highly accurate information that just there's no explanation for. This was stuff that was not Google all even. They had found a way to Google under my identity. This was like all of them, but a percent were getting specific information, specific memories I had with my dad that unfortunately my cat had just passed away. They got personality traits of this cat. And I wasn't posting any of this. I was in early grief, not going on social media. They got stuff related to my grandmother. And it was just multiple mediums got this. I mean, multiple ones did not, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. So I'd say, well, I would say in my case, more were accurate than ones that were not. But I was also going specifically to ones that were certified by the Fripper Family Foundation or Winbridge. So that's kind of a skewed group. But yeah, I mean, I'd say a lot of the ones that I did go to that were not certified were not very accurate. And I think there's a lot out there that are not accurate. But those were, I'd say, the experiments I did then. I became one of the mediums I got to know really well and became good friends with. He and I would do meditations together and see if weird things would happen. Um, I took some classes on mediumship, which was interesting and fun. And two times I even got information myself, but I don't normally get information. So it's just been a really fascinating experience. I would love to do more. I'd love to do more like down the line of like experiments scanning their physiology lots of things oh that's great that's great well the la yeah, yeah the last person i had on was a a pet medium which i'd never even heard of and neither had he actually this happened to him you know it was another one of those things that happened pretty much accidentally and he is a scientist and um he is so booked up he's booked up for a year in advance of people who want to um, find out about their pets in the afterlife or ask their pets a question or whatever it is. So he's written several books about um, pet mediumship and how you can do it yourself and things like that, which I thought was kind of interesting. What's his name? I'll have to check him out. Uh, oh, you would ask that. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was, now the pressure's it, on. It was... Uh, it was um, um, Oops, one second. 
Who are you? I'll go to my podcast and find out. And that okay. was um, Rob Guttro. Rob Guttro. Okay. He's I'll a, check him out. He's a pet medium. He's also done um, ghost ghost hunting, basically. You know, um, finding ghosts and helping people move on and different things like this and clearing and yeah, mm -hmm. pretty interesting. Pretty interesting to talk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, that sounds, I love that he was a scientist and it sounds fascinating. I'll have to check out the episode. Yeah. He was pretty, he was pretty fun to talk to. Yeah. Oh, interesting. That's a, what were the best and worst mediums you had readings from? Well, the best must've been the one that you still talk to all the time. He was one of the best. I had a lot of really, really good ones. So I'll kind of uh -huh. give examples. Um, like among the best is when they just know things. So what's very interesting is there's been one consistency among the good ones is they always say most of them. I've had a few good ones that this did not happen. But the majority say there's a woman here, like a mother, a grandmother, and they describe my grandmother. And they say she always comes in first. So that's a consistency. And one medium knew her name and said, oh, your grandmother, Lily, like, uh, the first woman who came in was Lily. And I was like, yes. And, it, you know, so they have all this consistency and then they bring in my dad. So and the best ones, that's it. They'll The dog barking like crazy, the cat. I tried to wrestle. I have a little rough pack. I'm making you at it. Rex to work. Sorry. You, Do I'm you, no, you've got to have you got to have animals come through a Zoom meeting, or it's not it's not an official. Talking meeting. about not... an animal psychic, and then there go my and animals. They, yeah. They say, my yeah, dog we're... just hates the neighbor dog, and whenever it goes on a walk, he has a fit, and then he'll be good again. <laughs> but he barks for like a minute. Um. So it's mediums that just got shockingly accurate stuff. Um. Some have known a sign that my dad gave. It was, I called my book a green feather. It's feathers. I changed the color a little in my book, just so my readings stay evidential. I disguise a few kind of very specific details. They've known what his work is. They've known just really specific things, not Googleable things. Like the first medium said my dad has my cat with him, the one who just passed away, the sweet one. And that was her. And it, it just constant... Wow amazing things another knew that she was orange they so just it, it's getting specifics it's getting personality one you know this was just very much my dad she apparently in the end asked him does he want to does he have a message like do you want to say i love you he said ah eh, she knows what i think of her so which was really him so those are the good ones and just you know, they might get one or two things wrong, but basically just getting evidence after evidence and not generic evidence like, oh, he loves you or not that those can't be good messages and you can get those mixed in, but they need to get things that are specific. And the worst readings I had, I can give examples of two. And there's um, one was very intentionally awful. Um this was, I went to one of those storefront psychics. Oh, and, okay. So you tried yeah. to find someone that was not going to be great. You... Yeah, I wanted to <laughs> test myself. I wanted okay. to see if I would notice a difference. And I very much did. I, one of the techniques she did is she would say things, like she'd say two different opposing things. And the thought is that 
people who go in believe this and tend to remember the one that applies to them. She said, oh, you're terrible with money, you know, it comes in one hand and out the other. And about 15 minutes later, she said, you're really good at saving money and investing. I was like, okay, which one is it? I went along with her, you know, and I was like, yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to watch her do her thing. And then she closed it by saying, "Um, you know, do you, you have a curse on you, basically. I can sell candles that will cure it for 300. She was terrible. Oh, no, you're yeah. kidding me. Okay, yeah. that's, yeah, I haven't heard that one before. That's, oh, that that's was, like yeah. from hundreds of, people have been doing that for hundreds of years, right? And apparently it's snake still works oil, for I some think people. they call that snake oil. Yes. Well, it might work for some people because of um, the uh, placebo effect. You know, that's a real thing. So, you um, what you believe yeah. can be curative. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't mean it worked, worked. I meant that it works oh, for her. Getting money. Oh, you mean money, it works? People buy it. People sadly, buy into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I know yeah, that is. That, I, yeah, it is very sad. Yeah. It is very sad. Yeah. That, that people buy into that. It is absolutely yeah. sad. Oh, yeah. that's what I, I was looking for. The person I had on, I had a magician on my show who's a mentalist, Jonathan Pritchard. It's going oh, to be wait, sure I have him online, too. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's great. All right. Yeah, right, he was great. So he he came from the other, he comes from the other side of it, that I can prove any medium is is, a, is making it up. Because I can, mm -hmm. you know, do the same thing with magic. It's just, it's interesting. Because he, he, um, he, well, he's a magician. He knows these tricks, basically. So, uh that's what they're doing in storefront shops. That's that's exactly what they're doing. And but he admits to it. He's like, when I do yeah. a show, I do a show as a mentalist. I do not do a show as a medium. You know, I, that's not my deal. So uh, yeah, it it's better if they admit it and just have fun with it. And you know, yeah, yeah. And There's I've a, gone to events like that too, and there'll be at parties. Yeah. That's fun. You oh know, yeah, you magic shows like all that's fun. It's when they're if they're lying and pretending that it's real as opposed to you know a stage magician yeah and that i mean that's the the terrible thing is when someone is doing that and they're saying that it's a real thing if you're doing it as a magician then you're basically saying no it's fake Every, nothing we do is real like penn and teller you know they do some amazing things but they're magicians um and they tell you this is not real. Uh, and then there's other magi magicians that are almost trying to almost trying to say that it is real, you know, that their magic is a real thing, uh, mm -hmm. even though it's not. I, I love Penn and Teller's show, Fool Us. Have you ever seen that? No. Oh, no, yeah, they have to. this. I don't know if it's still on, but you can get the get it on YouTube. It's called Fool Us, and they have other magicians come in and try and do a trick that they can't figure out. So it's fun in two ways because they will, you know, they will tell the magician that they know what they're doing without telling the audience because that's really fun. They're still old school magicians that don't want to give away secrets. So they just say, well, you're doing, we see this and this and this. And they either say, yep, that's what I'm doing. Or they say, no, that's not it. So it, it's kind of interesting. They do oh, get fooled. Yeah, I have to check it. Oh, really I was, that was going to be one of my questions. If they do get fooled. They yeah. do get fooled, and they've been doing it a long time. Uh, they even got fooled. They've been fooled several times by a magician that they trained. That, that basically, the guy worked for them uh, for years and years and years and worked on their show. 
which is also fun to for people to realize that they don't do this in a box you know it's like a whole production it, it's hard to do because um, oh. their their magic is mind-boggling um it's amazing it's yeah. amazing yeah but it was fun to see no i he worked for them so he was so he knew how to fool them basically he knew stuff that they he went and learned stuff they didn't know so Right, so he would know, someone who worked for them would know the tricks they didn't know. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, he they would know the things they didn't know, which was I don't know, bit of a sidetrack there, but <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. But stuff. I, yeah, I also think like mentalists and stage magicians, stage mediums, could not do the couldn't pass the controlled protocols that certified mediums pass, such as. Research being done by the Windbridge Institute by Dr. Julie Beichel and Mark Bacuzzi. Mm -hmm. They put mediums through up to quintuple blinded studies. And these mediums don't see the person they're reading. All they're given is a first name. They call a phone number that's not Googleable, probably like one that Dr. Julie Beichel has given them, like, or a Google Voice number. They go into Windbridge office and the medium has to give accurate information about personality relationship memories and they don't see the person they don't have their phone number and often they don't even hear their voice they just sometimes they'll hit a button saying meaning yes no or maybe in case they're picking up vocal cues so there's just i don't no mentalist could do that and get that accurate information i mean maybe one time out of a thousand they could get remarkably lucky but right. they can't do that right. consistently. So. Yeah. And uh, I think it's great that people are doing that work, that people are, um, you know, trying to show the difference between someone who who can really do it and people who are cannot possibly do it. And from what I understand, I was actually looking in my notes to see. I, I, I had someone on the show who um, did that very thing. And the people that pass the test, the people that they certify, I guess, are completely booked. Like, it's very hard. Did you find that? Did you, how, did you have a hard time go, um, getting appointments with mediums that you knew were, were good? Because so, they seem to be booked. Uh -huh. Some it's a long wait list. It's gotten longer in the past few years. Was this Bob with Forever Family? Is that the, who you had on? Yes, yes, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, I know them really yeah. well. I volunteer with them too. Yeah, especially after, sadly, the pandemic. And recently also Forever Family was in a Netflix series, Surviving Death. I think they've become more booked. They were They were reasonably booked when I started requesting readings, but it's gotten more intense now as people luckily are getting more educated about finding certified mediums but there's some you know a couple i've been on some, one of their wait lists for like five years now i'm oh, like okay wow. yeah. eventually because there's a, to that. yeah, yeah. The, there's a lot of celebrity mediums now there's been a lot of very successful medium shows and i think that contributes to it um yeah i like the um the pet psychic i just had on i had never heard of him and uh, he hasn't been on you know a reality show or anything somehow word just got out and um he did well he does a lot of events he does a lot of events um and does free events for people too which is nice he does free events for any um shelter that would like him to so any money oh, is, yeah so that's nice that's good that's really good yeah but there's some that are easier to book some 
don't mm-hmm. even have a full plate list. Some, you know, I'm waiting a year. Some just been a couple months. Some that have been excellent are just a couple months. So I um I probably should ask you because I'm curious too. Um, you testified against Harvey Weinstein. Oh my uh, God! I, I just Am I thought, to I, laugh. It's I, a really, was... it's a funny story. So which is horrible to say, but it is. I like my part in it. Uh huh. Was really I shouldn't say it's funny, but like I just have to disclaim that because I laugh a little bit and I talk about it because my part was a secondary witness and mm-hmm. my to sadly a roommate of mine who was assaulted by him but my partner was talking about how my chihuahua chased him around and he oh ran my. away from my <laughs> chihuahua in terror so i'm telling this and you know it's part of the testimony and i find the truth about it it goes viral of course like page six is like harvey weinstein was once one of the most powerful men in hollywood but he was no match for peanut the chihuahua <laughs> My little chihuahua is in like 10,000 articles, photos, people are like, this was in. Hey, so I'm sorry. Was... Who would not run from a chihuahua? That's a, that's just a scary little animal. That's all I can. <laughs> hey, my other chihuahua <laughs> is sitting here listening. Well, so, you yeah, better show it. him. You better show him on screen or my wife will be upset. <laughs> we we got we to gotta see him at some sorry, point. show Peanut. She passed away a couple of years ago. But yeah, oh, that was okay. my part. But... And then also... I will add, I always feel a little braggy saying this, but it was, I feel I have to, like, his lawyer was, I mean, she was an excellent lawyer. She was doing her job, but I kind of mm-hmm. told her off and really gave it to her. And that went viral, too. And <laughs> so that I went have viral to get my too. brag moment yeah. at that. I can't not. I care of pickles. Well, I'd always, um, dog, but... the biggest shock to me about that whole, um, so this is like the same breed that this is about the same oh. size and breed that terrorized Harvey, except this one's a little like bigger, it's just a little chunkier. He's pretty cute. He's, he's incredibly cute. cute. He's a pug yeah. chihuahua named Pickles. And he gets along with the cat. Oh, really well, yeah. All right. That's great. I Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. always nice. Always good to hear. There's Pickles. <laughs> <laughs> so I was a little bit shocked. I worked in the, um, the industry uh way in the background of hollywood or legal hollywood Hollywood. yeah yeah i worked there um and so plus i've i don't know i guess i've known people who worked Mm -hmm. in the industry forever um yeah and when you live in la you meet people who just living there you meet people who work in that and plus Mm -hmm. if you read anything about the way movies were made from the beginning of time why would this be a surprise to anyone? This, you know, this, this is no, it, it seemed to shock so many people. And it was the, one of the least shocking stories in the world to me. It was terrible. Um, I'm so glad that he lost because he could have won. You know, the, it He's could have gone the other way. The legal system is, is really nuts. Uh, I, mean, I mean, as you, as you know, as, I even, know, you know, and I have a lot of friends that are lawyers. Like, yeah. it does not so always it, turn out fair. <laughs> no, it does not always turn out fair. And with the kind of money and power he had, I'm just, I'm very <laughs> glad that it, it worked out that way. Um, I don't think it changed anything, unfortunately. I, um, it, it, well, that's not true. It's, it changed things somewhat because now there are people, um, they do, it changed how sets are run um, on major motion pictures. Uh, you know, there are there are definitely people now. You have to, you know, there are a lot of things that have to be in place um, 
so that people aren't abused as much. But I don't think the abuse has changed very much uh, at the the top rung of things. Um, let's hope it continues to be. Um, but it's it's just a very strange world. The Hollywood world is is very strange. And yeah, I don't know. I'm. Yeah. I'm uh, thanks for testifying. Oh, you're I, welcome. Just, I know and that's hard. That's not easy. Yeah. Thanks, Peanut. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. my role being a secondary witness, I have to really give a level of courage and credit. Like, you know, the actual accuser, that's got to have been terrifying. You know, my role was, I have to be honest, was one of the easier ones in the case, you know, to come in and tell someone else's story and feel like I was helping. So thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I always want to give credit to the women who showed the real courage, you know, like my friend Mimi Haley and, you know, all them, Jessica Mann, Annabelle Sciorra. I like the other names. I feel like I should credit them all, but yeah, very brave. And of course, Peanut, you know, Peanut gets the full <laughs> Peanut. credit. Um, Peanut was just doing what came instinctually, you know? Came instinctually. Dogs, dogs know when yeah. someone's bad. Um, they do. And most it is of them. Pickles yeah, like tries to fight like the sweetest dogs all the time, but yeah, he's good with people most of mm -hmm. the time. So, um, yeah, I I don't. It, it's so random that I even ended up alongside that case because I'm not even really part of the Hollywood world at all. <laughs> like I grew up in New York City, so I grew up around some people whose families were aligned with it. You know, I worked in fashion and like, so you know, I did a little bit of work alongside Hollywood, but I was much more in like the editorial fashion world, like of Vogue and Glamour rather than Hollywood. So I just, it's so random that I even like popped in on this case. So yeah, <laughs> but it was good to feel like I was helping. So. Yeah. And that is, it's really nice that you gave them, give them credit because that's a terrible situation to be in. Um, <laughs> you know, they're the, the team behind Weinstein just tries to, destroy i mean it's their job they try and destroy any witness to completely destroy their lives uh and in this world that doesn't just you know it used to be that would just be the lawyers trying to destroy your life um for court but now they try and destroy it completely in the public eye and because there's you know because our media is so far-reaching it's really that's a big uh that's a big deal to testify in a case like that yeah yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I don't know yeah. bad things they could have really said. Like they tried to say everyone was lying, you know, yeah. I don't know, you know, they, I, so I don't know. I didn't really figure they could say much about me. I mean, I wouldn't have cared anyway. It's kind of like, bring it, you know, if someone's going to be a disgusting person, like, don't like, don't even try. Like, that's what I feel. I just, I get really angry at like, mistreatments of other people of animals so i'm just kind of like i don't know i maybe too yeah i just i i just very much get like come on bring it in those situations so definitely you know. the new york attitude that's, that's the new york the, attitude i guess yeah you know? new york coming so, through for sure yeah yeah <laughs> so another thing i did want to ask you about was your um you uh you do you do what's it called um zero you you work with oh, uh low waste in events. my other company yeah along yeah. with what the fuck just happened i mm -hmm. have why get wasted and we consult on events to help them go low waste i suppose that's like my normal business that doesn't talk about afterlife but yeah it's <laughs> it's been really fun we work with 
fashion shoots, parties, conferences, and yeah, we consult with reducing as much plastic and single use as possible. And we'll work realistically with brands and companies too. So, you know, some people will envision going zero waste as if you have to be so hardcore, but we'll we'll meet brands where they are and events where they are. Oh, you'll Everything meet him halfway because that's I. That just yeah. seems really difficult, uh, a really difficult thing. It's really tough. Uh, I know there has yes. been some people in. Uh, I live in Oregon, and there's been some people in Oregon that have gone that are like zero waste, and I don't. It's such a commitment, um, but it's nice that corporations are willing to do something. You know, willing to do something before that. I remember seeing the pictures of the park in Los. I can't remember where it was held, but the first Earth Day um, in Los Angeles, they the picture of the event afterwards was just horrendous. It it looked like the worst concert scene you could imagine. There was just there was garbage everywhere. <laughs> I can't remember what park it was, but um, yeah, so. What Got a little was ways that? to go there. That was, was it was like twenty. No, it had to be thirty years ago because I lived in L.A. at the time, so okay. it was it was a long, long time ago. Um, and I, right. yeah, they just they, <laughs> it was pretty embarrassing. The first Earth Day, congratulations, you've wrecked this park. I mean, it was and then they, <laughs> kind of the whole opposite of the point. <laughs> the of whole Earth opposite Day. of what they're trying to do. It, it was a typical because I think it was a concert for Earth Day, and so. It looked like your typical concert event. They usually look bad. No one sees the end end result, you know, what happens after a concert. Yeah, yeah it's not always pretty. Not always yeah. pretty. We'd love to add concerts and festivals. And, yeah, all of that, actually. So. Yeah, yeah that would be great. I mean, what are some of the things? I'm just curious. What are some of the things you're able to do What are, or that people are willing to do? Um, cutting it. back on water, plastic water bottles is a big thing people are really open to. They're really, so what I do is I'll give them a full assessment. I'll go through what the event will be. And I'm like, this is how you can do zero waste. Pick from this what you want to do. And I offer different tiers. Like they can just, I'll give the assessment. They can just take the assessment and run with it all the way to where I can do the whole thing for them. And I'll go through and I'll say, you know, pick from this menu. And people tend to be really open to coffee cups and water bottles and replacing water bottles with refillable cups or coolers and having, uh, you know, like a large water cooler that people can use. That's been oh, a that's, big one. That is a huge one. Yeah. That's it's great. Because it, it's yeah. un unbelievable how many water bottles we go through. I, I, I probably... It was really not until I moved back to Oregon that I stopped using water bottles because I was pretty paranoid about the water in L.A., even though it is very drinkable. It, it just doesn't taste like it. <laughs> but, right. yeah, the it's just nuts, the amount of water bottles that people use all over the world. Mm -hmm. It's it's really a big problem. So And it's so yeah. unnecessary because we have natural water sources. And, yes, yeah, some yeah. places... You, I, I think water bottles should be for emergencies. There are situations right. where you really need them. The water is contaminated, but that should be emergencies. And I mean, we should be working with like, like ocean water. There, we have desaline, desalinization technology. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, let's use that. We have 
a lot of technology that can purify toxic waters. You know, as I said, remove the salt, make water drinkable. And I don't think it's that advanced because people bring them camping. I even believe, I'd have to check on this, but I even believe there's a way to desalinate ocean water yourself. I, I, I could be wrong on that. that. Or it might just be a startups that are talking about it. I don't know if it's ready yet, but... There might be some inventions on the way. I know I've seen some um, some companies talk about the expense of desalinization. I guess it's really cost prohibitive um, for a you know for a, to be a big solution. It it works for small scale stuff, um, but water bottles definitely don't work. They're just they're just silly. Um, plus, we could make them. I keep hoping that pe more people will start making them out of corn oil and things that are biodegradable. Um, that mm -hmm. would be a huge help. Stop making plastic. I mean, you know, if, if you think you have to have a water bottle, you make it out of something else. But I agree, they're really for emergencies. Because, I mean, in L.A., uh, at the time I lived there, which was 20 years ago, and it's, it's probably still true, everywhere you go, everyone has a water bottle with them. Everywhere you go. better. A, a plastic, everyone has... Yeah, they have, everyone they have has one. refillable ones yeah. now, okay, and there's water good. stores, I mean... I live a block from a water store here and I just get like big glass jars and I just fill them up with, if they have extra purified water, I figure be careful. I'm New York is known for having the best tap water. So I drink a lot of tap water in New York. Although I often, I usually get filtered water that I fill in, at the gym. Um, but yeah, here people are all, almost everyone's carrying refillable water bottles. You don't see that much plastic here anymore, luckily. But That's it's good. still... That's really good because I mean one thing that is known with uh, the especially Pepsi, a lot of those water bottles are filled out of a tap. They're they're not purified. They're not any. They're just yeah. filled out of a tap that you're not, but not your tap. So it, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And exactly. we have in the U.S. we have some of the cleanest water in the world, so mm -hmm. we're extremely lucky. And people are just been taught that you should buy water. For one reason or another, and yeah, I think it's all psychological. You you don't even uh, L.A. also has, it has to have really clean water. We have regulations around it. It's like you you can't have polluted water coming out of your tap. Um, well, unless you're in uh, Detroit, I guess if you're in Detroit, I was about to say, yeah, <laughs> defending <laughs> depending there, on where you are, but it's still illegal there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's in a good theory. Right. You can't. Yeah, in theory, you can't. Um, but, you know, they test New York and L.A. a lot. A big city water is tested a lot. You can even uh, go to the um, the uh, power and electric company, the water companies, and see. You can actually see what's in your water. It's it's posted there for everybody. It's public. Anyway, off on tangent again. What? <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, no, yeah. I love going on these tangents. It's just and especially fun because usually most podcasts will talk about one or the other. Very rarely. The only second one that brought up Harvey Weinstein. The third one that brought up Harvey Weinstein too. Which, so I'm like, oh, good. I love I love covering oh. all of it. Yeah, yeah, I can talk for hours about any of these topics. So Yeah, you can talk about anything. Whatever the fuck you want. <laughs> Whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a good name for a contest, uh, podcast. That would. Last time I went to Hawaii, they gave us, uh, well, it was a nice resort, I'll admit, but they gave us a water bottle the minute we got there. And I mean, oh, like a reusable one. Yeah, like a, a nice aluminum water bottle or, or aluminum if you're European. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. 
it of course it's smart because not only do you now you're not going to waste your you're not going to have plastic bottles all over the beach because this is you know it's a beach resort but also it's got their name right on it and so you're going to take it home you're going to think about this resort and all the other resorts they own around the world it really seems smart to me that seemed like a really a really good idea i agree yeah, yeah. completely and you so, know people I was going to add, you know, people who are worried about the toxins in their water. I mean, yes, as I said, there are genuine exceptions, depending where you live. But microplastics in your water and food and everything are terrible. Those are really, really bad for you. So that should, to me, be a bigger concern right now. I agree. Those should, that should be a big... And I guess it's everywhere. Um everywhere because now all the animals if people if you eat animals all the animals are eating microplastics and um they're getting into basically every food source we have and water um yeah i mean even if you're not drinking out of a plastic bottle you're getting microplastics in your water because we're not i don't think that's regulated yet i could be wrong about that but i i don't think we really have regulations for that because and again i'm not sure we know how harmful they are you know, there there's not a lot of research about what that might be doing to us. It, it's strange. Yeah. Yeah. That's a weird yeah. one. And I think people are very avoidant hearing how bad this is. But then you look back, like, I, I think, listen to the warnings. Like, how long ago was it when Bill Gates gave the TED Talk about a coming pandemic? And everyone's like, no, that won't happen in our time. There won't ever be a pandemic. Our medicine's too good for that. It's like these warnings do come true. No one even watched that besides Microsoft employees. You know, I that, 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 oh, I like, did you? Like, oh, I like nerdy things, like obviously with what the fuck. I feel like I yeah. did watch it. I was on TED, wasn't it? I remember watching it. Yeah, I think so it crazy. was. Yeah, yeah. I was one of the people too. I guess I watched it pretty young. So I was also kind of like, I'm not going to think about this. I was like, oh, our medicine's good. I felt scared, but then I like pushed it away and then. Well, even yeah. Dr. Fauci was talking about this pandemic um, 20 years before it happened. Was he? Wow. Yeah, yeah that was I his job. That. He was, yeah, that was, you know, part of his job. But who knows? I mean, he was talking at conferences and maybe uh, places that mostly medical people would see. There was there was a mm. lot of, I mean, Bill Gates is but probably the biggest figure um, that was speaking about it, the, the most public figure. But there were a lot of people saying this was coming and even the even the fiction books were talking about the hot zone and several other really scary books that got it wrong simply because of the disease they thought would be the pandemic. So they got it wrong. So when those diseases came along, Ebola, Ebola or Ebola, when that came along and it basically was contained, everyone was kind of like, ah, we're fine. This is all, right. you know, this is all fake. And I think that's happened. I'm scared that that's happening again because we we're having this again where people are like well it was a three percent kill rate or something like that it was actually a very low uh, death rate compared to what they expected that's why the lockdowns happened because they thought it was going to be five percent and it's like 0.3 percent it's really compared you know for a pandemic very low much lower than the 1918 flu and so everyone's just like see it was no big deal and that's that's scary. So scary. That's scary. Well, it one really of the is. reasons we have what a lower death rate is because we gave up our lives for a year and stayed home. And I think technology 
allowed there to be a much lower death rate than there would have been otherwise. We have a lot more, I mean, it was a privilege, but a lot more people could work from home. A lot more people, you know, we have different life now. We can order food and have everything delivered, and, you know, at the on the backs of essential workers at the time who were delivering. And just, oh, it's so, yeah, that mindset gets me so mad. It's so selfish and dumb and I mean, I don't want to spend another year sitting home alone. It's, I don't want to put people at risk who are the quote-unquote essential workers. Right, right. And it's I think so that's selfish. the thing. Yeah. If we never shut down um, the way that, say, that like um, Italy did. Uh, Italy didn't have essential workers going out delivering food. I was like, no, we're, we're down, we're shut down. Um, so, so we don't... I just fear for when it's when it is worse, which will happen. It could it could be hundreds of years, or it could be a few years. We don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So another hundred years. Like, maybe that's what it ends up being between pandemics. You know, it's nineteen eighteen, twenty twenty. Right. You know, let's hope. See. We yeah. can only hope, but there's more and more things being uh, coming up every day. What is it? What do they call the um, variations of? disease is i think it's happening Variant. faster but um, uh, I'm covid variants or just different diseases in general uh different diseases in various because covid is actually um influenza variant right it's mm. it's actually a variant of influenza i'm not a doctor so i shouldn't get too far right. into this but <laughs> okay. but i think All the right. variations are happening faster uh, the great i mean the good news is that the longer covid's around the weaker it is that's what we're seeing mm -hmm. And we, right. they don't expect to see anything else. Oh, good. Um, yeah. And our medicines and vaccines get even better and better. And yeah. So. Yeah. We, let's hope. Let's there's, hope. <laughs> there's questions about that now too, but yes. Let's oh hope. no. <laughs> Never safe. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Yeah. Ooh. So. So yeah, oh, our world can be scary. <laughs> it can. So. The world can be fair, scary. Back to what I started to talk about, um, which I think is a good one. Do you have any tips for just everyday people for being more eco-friendly and for, um, you know, not using plastic all the time? Definitely. Definitely. Go through and see, like, overall single use in so many areas is not needed. And it's not hard to replace like dish soap, laundry detergent, cleaning products. Those are really easy ones to replace. You might, if you don't live in a city that has refillable stores, you can order refillable products online so easily. Same with shampoos and conditioners. Food tends to be a little harder because there's so many things that are just in plastic, you know, if you can go to your farmer's market or your co-op and fill your food up as much as possible, that's great. There are some eco boxes, I believe you can order online for food, but you know, food's inessential. And that one, unfortunately for now is harder, but cleaning supplies and beauty products are really, that's among the easier and just in water bottles, like don't buy plastic water bottles. I think that's one of the easiest ones you can get refillable bottle uh, you know you can get a filter for your place if you want one for your home it, it's most places and again I there obviously are exceptions but most places you can get refillable bottles you can refill them at your gym there's water fountains everywhere so I think 
those are just the easiest tips. And I would go through and just start noticing everywhere you use single use and where can you eliminate it, especially single use plastic, but plastic bags there. Those are completely unnecessary now. Yeah. So go through and see and just eliminate as you can. That's Even a really like good you, one. Yeah. I, I like that. I mean, be aware of, of what you're doing. I'm, I got really um, sloppy during the pandemic because I was like, well, we're all going to die, whatever. And there was right. <laughs> right. suddenly recycling almost disappeared. Why I am because just because of how commerce changed and probably in mm -hmm. a lot of places, we don't have the recycling that we used to have. Like we don't even recycle plastic bags anymore. We used to be able to do that. Lots of stuff um, because of, you know, politics and economics of the world and things like this. So. It's yeah, it's difficult. Uh, I still think a lot of it lies on the um, the corporations, unfortunately, because I look at statistics of what single of what individuals do, and it's pretty low. So yeah, um, helping for people to be more aware of it um, is definitely a good thing. Just to think about it a little bit, and that your plastic bag is never going to be. If you put it, a lot of times, if you put plastic in recycling, it's going to the dump. So. That's really plastic recycling doesn't really work. It's yeah, it's it really all doesn't. kind of bullshit. It's actually yeah. started and promoted by the plastics industry. That's who have been promoting recycle your plastics. So they just want to keep plastics being made. It doesn't really work. So yeah, that's a good point. They want to. Yeah. The plastic industry wants to make plastic. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and they're the ones that started promoting plastic recycling and still promote it. And. Yeah, I mean, there's multiple reasons it doesn't work. First, most of all, your, most of your plastics just don't get recycled. Even the ones that do, they can. There's a lifespan. It's not a loop. Like glass can be recycled and recycled endlessly, and it keeps its quality. Plastic gets recycled and it gets thinner and thinner and loses quality each time, and then it has a cutting point where it can't be recycled. And it adds more and more microplastics into the system every time you recycle plastic. Too. Every time, yeah, and yep. it gets weaker and weaker and. Okay, uh, moving on. Uh, tell me about your yes. podcast. So we, my haven't, podcast. we haven't really talked about it yet, except for oh the title. Oh, my God, title. yeah. Okay, so, yes, the title. It's, I pr pronounce it, What the Fuck Just Happened, all about the afterlife, no woo. You'll find it under WTF Just Happened, all about the afterlife, no woo. And so I said I wrote this book and started researching if there was any valid evidence of an afterlife, and so many people just transformed my worldview. So I brought them on. Actually, I was also known at Forever Family, especially for like cornering the mediums and the scientists and asking them endless questions. So they're like, yeah, Liz, we kind of have to like do what we're doing. I'm like, no, wait, but, and so <laughs> I, you know, how would strength theory tie in with consciousness or what's going to happen to our consciousness in a trillion years? So like, I, I don't know. So <laughs> I great. figured, yeah. Well, why don't they sit with me for about an hour and a half and they have to answer my questions. But I talk to people, psychic mediums, especially ones that have been certified by scientists, but I have some that have not that I still know are good. And I talk to a lot of the researchers and scientists behind this. I, you know, I've had like, we talk about from Forever Family, I've had Bob Ginsburg on, researchers like Lloyd Arbach, Mark Bacuzzi of Winbridge, Dr. Julie Beischel is who co-founded it, you know, and is the research, one of the main researchers at Winbridge, she's coming on. So just people that are just fascinating and inspiring, near-death experience researchers, 
um, Paul Smith, who did remote viewing with the Stargate Project through the um, military. And then I have a few people now and then who've had personal experiences. I'm fine with having people personal experiences, but it needs a verification level where, you know, they had an NDE or they went out of body. They can't just say it was, wow, that was spiritual. They have to say, and this happened. And then I found out it was verified the next day. So I keep a verification aspect to it against the no woo. So it's, I think it's really fun. It's like my dream to get and sit and ask people who know a lot more than I do fascinating questions about the afterlife or their experiences as mediums. And yeah, I, I really enjoy it. As I'm sure you understand, you're just basically getting to talk to interesting people about stuff they know a lot about. Yeah, it's it's really been it's really fun to do that, and um, mm -hmm. it's it's funny that you have a, a podcast about the afterlife. No woo. <laughs> yes, yeah. <'Cause laughs> I talk to all kinds of woo. -woo Either way, I go. It goes both ways. Yeah, I talk to a few yeah. a few of the woo woo. Uh, that yeah. So how do you how do people like you say they have to have a verified experience? Um, so they have to have other people that sort of. There can be a lot of different things. Okay, so for example, on one of the episodes, this is for someone, experts and psychic mediums themselves. They're, they're welcome on, you know, researchers, but I also have a section called personal experiences where people will reach out and want their personal experiences on. So, you know, someone, an example of someone we might, we wouldn't accept, for example, if someone was like, I, you know, my grandfather passed away and I know he's around me because I feel his love every day and I want to share that. Okay. That, that probably wouldn't be on, but here's this, you know, if someone was like, I know my grandfather's around me, I feel his love and he gives me messages and told me like I had a dream visitation with him. And in the dream, he said, tell your grandmother this and you wake up and you're like I have no idea what that means and you go and tell your grandmother and she said oh my god that is you know the sign he gave me that I didn't tell anyone that he would tell me when he passed away like that would be an example of an acceptable personal experience versus not so okay that now that makes yeah. sense that totally yeah. makes sense I I, yeah. I tend to be skeptical skeptical about people who have religious experiences with near death um so i don't tend to have i don't tend to uh it's it's just my own skepticism to be okay. honest uh you know because a lot of a lot of the people i listen to either were atheists or they just like they didn't think about their own religion very much and mm -hmm. they tend to talk about things that aren't necessarily um well so, i mean sometimes they they meet religious entities um but a lot of times they don't like they don't know or it's such a big or or you know wherever they go is so beyond what they can understand that they they don't know they they don't label it i guess it's the word it's yeah it's when people start labeling things i i get very skeptical which is kind yeah. of my own skepticism i think no i i get that and especially early on when i read ndes and they're like say all this religious stuff like angels were around me i met jesus but as i've come to learn is a lot of it, we don't have a lot of vocabulary for this stuff. So if you've been raised religiously in a religious culture, 
your fr- that's your frame of reference. That is your vocabulary for describing what someone else might say as I felt this sense of love and this vibrating energy and I saw this light. Like someone might use a more descriptive and someone might interpret it through their frame of reference, which has made me able to take them more seriously. Because in the beginning, I'd hear the religious ones and I'd get really scared. And I was like, oh, this sounds like nonsense. Like, is there anything to this? But it, uh, studying it, finally, it makes sense that we don't have a lot of vocabulary. And that's some people's whole frame of reference. But so I, I tend to agree with you. But that is what I've come to learn, that a lot of it's interpretation. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It, it is mm-hmm. it's people's own frame of reference where they where they come from what how they interpret things absolutely yeah and i still think I, i've said this on many podcasts but i still think all near-death experiences it's my opinion and, and deepak chopra agrees with me it's it's the beginning of what's going to happen it's like what happens after that you again i don't think it's conceivable for us i mean you know i and if and if they had if people have that experience it's going to be hard for them to well i've heard that over and over that they feel things and see things that are really hard to describe you know like right like they don't talk about it for years sometimes because they don't know what to say like what what how do i even tell people this i i kind of hear that a lot right there isn't yeah there isn't the vocabulary and again it's well for example blind people if you ask a blind person to, if you try to explain what it's like to see to a blind person, that would be really hard. You could kind of find ways to maybe do it a little bit, but if it's someone who's been blind since birth, that would be so hard. But what's so interesting though about blind people and near death experiences is there's a researcher, I don't know if you've heard of him, Dr. Kenneth Ring, and he has studied and done specific researchers research on blind people who've had near-death experiences and some of them saw during their experience and were able to verify. And uh, which obviously a lot of them are not blind from birth or they wouldn't know they were seeing, but there was even someone who was blind from birth. I forget how they were able to explain, but they said they, they described kind of how it would be to start processing what sight would be. They might've been able to see like different shades of light through their blindness. So they were like started with that and then, you know, it was very, it was interesting. As Yeah, it, that's really yeah. interesting. Well, and yeah. I've heard a lot of people say, I've heard of a lot of NDEs who, you know, whether it's sight or they, or their sound, they can't hear, but they can hear once that happens. They can walk, you know, all kinds of things that they can't necessarily do in life, but suddenly they can do again. It's, I mean, I've heard it described many times as a very amplified dream state, but, but then again, more real than reality also i've heard that a lot too that it's it's just, i don't know it's fascinating to me fascinating and it helps me i don't have a real fear of death because uh from hearing so many stories about nds i really don't fear death i fear uh hospitals and pain but i don't feel fear death that's not uh it's helpful in that way i think yeah very helpful i yeah big picture, don't fear it either. I do fear the pain. And I fear losing other people and being alone here for however much longer I'm here. And I have a physiological instinctive fear of death. Like my body will tense up during bad turbulence on a plane. Or if I see a car coming at me, I still have like the like freeze or 
right? Fight Was or it Fraser Flight? It's fight yeah, or Flight. Fight or yeah. Flight. Like, what yeah. is it? Oh, like, absolutely. all the panic comes, yeah. is the same in my body instinctively that it always has been, but I don't have that existential fear or sadness about death at all anymore. Yeah, I had a lot of that during the pandemic. There was, um, sometimes it wasn't explainable, but there definitely was a fear of other people dying and, and a lot mm -hmm. of people dying. And, yeah. And now what are we going to do? I, I'm the same way, though. I, I have a much bigger fear of other people dying. And it, it's never easy, no matter what my beliefs are. It's never been easy when people pass. It's still, it's still oh, hard. Hurts. Yeah, it's still hard still very I difficult remember thinking early on if there'd be like a tipping point of evidence i would get that would eliminate my ever feeling grief again and it, that's just that i realized doesn't exist it kept being like well i bet if this one more thing happens if i learn this if i could do this and a lot of it would happen and i was like oh, but i still have grief so it's just a realization and you know you talk to psychic mediums i remember even thinking you know Maybe I should really study to be a psychic medium. I wouldn't didn't want to do it for my career, but I thought if I could, once I found out that they can develop abilities, they don't only have to be born with them. Although the really good ones seem that overall, there's obviously exceptions, have a combination of born with and developing them. But I remember thinking if I really developed abilities, I would never feel grief again. And it's they feel grief, even the best ones. So it, that, it's, that's just part of the human condition. I don't think there's a way around it. But that was something I was kind of chasing for a while. Oh, I see. Oops. Yeah. Oops, I was mooted. Oh, yes. <laughs> definitely. Wouldn't that be nice? But it's part of the human experience. You know, as, as hard as it is to feel grief. And you don't, it, it's kind of one of those things, the yin and yang of life. You don't get tr real happiness without grief. Um, you know, you can lean into happiness more in your life always. But it used, yeah. It's very hard to have only one emotion. It's almost impossible. I don't think it's possible. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. But grief is brutal. Is. I'm like, I've it had is. other bad feelings. Oh, yeah. you know, do I have to bring grief into this? But it's it's unavoidable unless you yourself pass away very young. Everyone is going to experience just unthinkable, painful grief. Um, yeah. yeah. Or you're going to make your family experience that at a next level by and dying young. There's no there's no way around it. Oh, right. Well, and I have a pretty big family, extended family. So uh, I'm getting, I'm already at that age. Where I mm -hmm. thought it, I thought it would be later in life, but I'm already at the age where I'm losing a lot of people. So it, it definitely yeah. doesn't get easier. It, it definitely doesn't. Um, doesn't. Yeah. 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 I've been pretty sheltered from it. Then suddenly all at once, like I lost my dad and uncle passed away, lost a few animals and then I lost my mentor, who was almost like a second mom to me, like very unexpectedly. She wasn't that old, you know, and she was so full of energy and just none of us saw it coming. So that was, yeah, it's been hard. <laughs> that was a really hard one. So. <clears throat> yeah, it is hard. Um, <laughs> a bit of a cough there. Well, um, I should probably wrap it up. I'm keep I'm keeping you kind of a long time. Uh, really, oh my god, I enjoyed these conversations so much. I just lose myself in them. But again, it was so fun getting to talk. That's about good. So many different topics because usually, yeah, people usually mainly just want to talk about what the fuck. Once in a while, I get wasted. Only never all of it. So yeah, this was really fun. Thank oh, you. Oh, good, good. I'm glad you I'm glad you enjoyed it. It's fun for me. It's really fun. Yeah, I don't like it's. Who wants to stick on one subject? 
that's no good. That's not a, <laughs> right, that's not a real right. <laughs> All right. Well, I'll just wrap it up by saying you've been listening to... Were you still talking? This is Joel Albrecht, and I've been talking to Elizabeth Enton, and we've been talking about... Well, you heard it, didn't you? You got this far in it. If you like the podcast, um, give it a like. Uh, give me a comment. Let me know. Send me an email if you can find my email. Um, like it on, on social media, whatever you like to do. All the information will... There'll be more information about the What the Fuck contest. No, that's not it. <laughs> contest. Podcast. What the Fuck Just Happened? Or WTF Just Happened? What the Fun? Uh, thank you so much for listening. We will be back soon with another fabulous guest. And uh, as I always say... Oh, and it turns out I found out somebody else says this all the time. I, I'm not, I didn't mean to copy him. It was an accident. Anyway... Be good to yourselves and uh, be good to each other.